Hi, this is Aaron Coors with Change Cafe, a grassroots podcast started to have meaningful conversations about change and community. Today, we're talking with Patrick Bruce, a friend of mine and community colleague, a fellow community organizer in the Catawba County region of North Carolina. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you very much. Happy to be with you all. Yeah, we're happy to have you on and someone who's made meaningful strides and several human service nonprofits and your healthcare career and other areas of the, our, our hometown. And I would love to start off just by allowing you to introduce yourself and, you know, what you do professionally and in, vol- in a volunteer capacity in the Catawba Valley. Of course. So, uh, as as you introduced me, uh, I'm Patrick Bros. I am the director of supply chain for Catawba Valley Medical Center. We are a small uh, community based hospital in Hickory, North Carolina, and within supply chain, we're responsible for the acquisition of medical supplies and medical equipment for the organization, among other things. On a volunteer community basis. Uh, perspective. Uh, I like to volunteer a lot of my time with nonprofit agencies that serve uh, a a large um, span of, of, of population with respect to our community. So, you know, from early childhood all the way up to the silver sneakers and uh, beyond that. So, uh, really like to serve in that capacity to make sure that my time volunteering with these organizations is addressing the the entire lifespan of of someone or a family member or, or whatever the case is. And I think that's a really interesting way to look at volunteering and human service, you know, taking care of someone or, you know, being part of taking care of someone from their earliest years to their later one. Then, uh, one of the interesting things that I think that, you know, you're a part of and I, I had been a part of because of you is your service on the YMCA board in Hickory. And uh, could you tell me a little bit about how that, um, I didn't know how much that nonprofit did in terms of providing a, uh, a center for people to recreate and, you know, people think of, you know, you go to there to have fun, but um, there's just so much that you can do there. Um and, you know, that's such an important part, especially as we all learned during COVID, being isolated, being able to have that, that shared, that shared fun space. Yeah. So the YMCA, to your point, Aaron, is it's more than a, a place to go and have fun. Uh, it's more than a gym. Oftentimes when people think of the YMCA, they do think of gym or recreation sports. And rightfully so, because they've done a wonderful job over the years of sort of branding that image of themselves of of being this uh, sort of a rec center, if you will. But what they've what they haven't done over those years is do a good job of campaigning themselves as a community center, which goes back to my earlier point about, you know, sort of that age span that the YMCA uh, covers and not just within the the age span or the lifespan of an individual, but they also focus on other aspects of that person's health or well-being. Well, we'll we'll say well-being. For example, they have the Live Strong 
program, which is a cancer survivor program where cancer survivors and people going through cancer can continue with that camaraderie of other individuals going through the same thing that they are. So it builds this network and this friendship between each other in the cancer um, uh, world or the cancer care that they are going through. They've got the community kitchen, which brings together, you know, young children, teens, adolescents, elderly people, uh, and brings them into the kitchen, the community kitchen to talk to them about healthy eating, you know, how to, how easy it really is to meal prep and make healthy foods and prepare, make healthy meals. Um, so we mentioned silver sneakers for, uh, our elderly population. There's the diabetes care program that they also have available to the student or not to students excuse me to the community and go all the way to early childhood to child care child watch swim lessons and so when you look at programs that the ymca covers it does truly cover uh, everything from early childhood all the way up to retirement elderly age and everything in between with respect to that individual's well-being and so uh, that's where we find, you know, sort of that truth, that that purpose in life when we look at volunteering or, you know, being a part of an organization. And you have two sons as well. And one of the things that I've always impressed by when I see photos and, you know, your, your commentary on Facebook about them is you're always encouraging them to be a part of their community. So that goes back to my childhood, um, and and I appreciate that acknowledgement because you're absolutely right. I think it, I, I I think it's so important to get our family involved in the communities that we live in. So that it's not just a one-dimensional effort. You know, if you've got a family and you got a significant other or siblings or whatever the case is, I feel like it's equally as important to get them as involved as possible because. That's sort of that exponential mathematical equation where if I can get one person to help, then maybe that person can get someone else to help and then that person can get someone else. And so you see that sort of that natural progression through community service that way. But like I was saying, that goes back to my my youth and my childhood and upbringing. We, we did a lot of community service growing up. And so I thought it was important and it really built somewhat of a part of my character uh, there uh, as a child in that sort of environment. And I, I know you've shared it on other media uh, in our in our locality about your upbringing and, you know, where you spent your childhood and how that impacted you. But would you share it with us as well? Yeah, so uh, I'll be happy to. Um, my father uh my father served five tours in vietnam and when he came back from vietnam uh he made a career out of the military and when he retired he found it difficult to navigate the va system and then you know coming back as one would imagine the severe ptsd that that one would have coming out of a situation such as vietnam uh, he found it difficult to navigate the VA system and receive the type of care that is needed to help 
these soldiers come back from war. I mean, even in current times. And so at these appointments, I would go with him to these appointments and his therapy appointments and whatever other type of appointments he was going to. And I would find myself just talking with other veterans and veteran family members and just talking to them, even as a young child, uh, having these somewhat adult-like conversations. Uh, But they were very basic and really just at the most basic human level of getting help for them. And then he started helping other vets navigate the system. Uh, the healthcare, the VA system, and other systems alike. And then he would help homeless people, and we would volunteer at the homeless shelter and these other places that we would find vets. And so that's where I got my community service exposure was through that experience of my childhood. And I think it's interesting that, you know, you talked initially about being involved in the whole the whole life cycle of a person, and you know that seems to be where uh, you know you got what you're doing, you know, and you're living by example, and you know, you're you're volunteering, and your children, you're encouraging your children to do so in their adulthood and to give back, and so that that cycle continues on in your you know your personal life, but also in in what you're doing to advocate for the whole person during their, their entire life of what they're provided for and supported. So I think that's interesting that those, those kind of parallels there. I also know that you're involved in the Chamber of Commerce and a lot of advocacy for businesses. And I don't think people are always aware of, you know, what a resource center, a Chamber of Commerce is. So I absolutely cherished my experience with the Chamber of Commerce because it really opened my eyes literally to the services and the offerings and what our community uh, really looks like uh, from all different angles and spectrums and perspectives. And it was a good way for me to really navigate our own community that we moved two from out of state. Uh, And then through that lens, I was able to see how important the chamber, what role they play in supporting not just small business and nonprofit, but large multinational corporations. And so just like my personal experience on that side of things, that, that, you know, the parallel there would be the chamber supporting a very small one person home business or, you know, mom and pa shop all the way up to this large multinational corporation. So similar in concept of, you know, that, that whole life type of volunteer service uh, effort, you know, from this small child all the way up to this, you know, mature uh, adult. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, I, being a part of the community beyond volunteering and, and supporting the community through local shopping, dining, uh, entertainment, and all those things is equally as important. And that's, that's one thing that I definitely pushed for in our first couple episodes of Change Cafe, where we, you know, this, this podcast, this grassroots community was initially started because 
my co-organizer, Ja, and I, you know, both changed careers and the very frenetic, economically and otherwise, metropolitan of Washington, D.C. And so I think, again, people think of a Chamber of Commerce, if anything, as a place that advocates for, an organization that advocates for businesses, like big businesses and money, and then, you know, you know it's a sort of a pay-to-play sort of a thing, but it's, it's such a great resource center, again, just for individuals, like you said, as well, at different stages in life. If you're traveling, they have a visitor's guide because they want you to be a part of the businesses in their community and to buy and to spend tax dollars. And it's also a great resource for for people who are looking for a new job. I mean, there's the Young Professional Society usually within houses in the Chamber of Commerce in an area. And, you know, if you're just someone, a small business entrepreneur looking for, um, you know, customers or, or, or collaborators. Well, that's just it is you're, you're exactly right, Aaron, in that oftentimes when people do think of Chamber of Commerce, they do think of a real high level, uh, large business type of support. Uh, I would argue that oftentimes they don't necessarily think of the small business or the resource career resource center that they have or offer or have available to them or the connections that they have within the community. And that's what I feel like makes our chamber here, Catawba, so uniquely special is that the leadership team at the chamber doesn't, they don't discriminate against small business middle business, multinational business, local business. They just say, hey, look, if if you need help and if you need resources, we're here. Whether or not you subscribe or you're a member of, of the chamber, they are absolutely open and willing to help you or help that business get to what they need to get or at least get them in that direction uh, to be able to achieve what it is that that business is wanting to achieve or that individual. And it's, it's about building a network. That's what a chamber is as well, with organizations, but the individuals who all, you know, have needs and, and goods and services they're trying to sell or ways they're trying to grow professionally and or personally. And one of the things that the chamber and Catawba County did that I always appreciated was the net giving, where every month they would go around and ask people, you know, what do you need and see if they could connect someone else uh, with someone's need personally or professionally, which is, you know, even if you're, you know, not a part of a chamber, you know, it might be a great event to do as a community organizer to you know, help help others and yourself. And, um, you know, in that, I, I kind of want to segue to, um, you know, how your, you know, involvement in the community as a, as a, as a leader, as a community builder has, again, built a network for you. Um, and that's something that, again, I don't think people always realize when they think of volunteering. They think of, you know, you know going somewhere once a week and, you know, helping someone or being serving on a board, you know, and that's great. But, um, you know, you, you build yourself a network, um, both that can benefit you professionally and personally as well. So the thing, yeah, no, I'm, I, I agree wholeheartedly and with networking and to your point about networking, and I do appreciate what the chamber does, you know, they do a lot of, of activities that bring people and I'm intentional on why I say people, 
is because these people, although they represent a business or a company, they also represent themselves. And so they bring people together to try to connect one another, however they need to be connected, or to bring people together to come up with solutions, recommendations, thoughts, ideas to address a problem or a situation or a anything in the community. And that goes back to that latter part of your comment about, you know, the volunteering and getting involved. And so, you know, my volunteer efforts on the board or on a committee are far more than just to your point meeting monthly when i uh, when i meet and when i find something that i'm passionate about such as why or put ill kids digest or something like that i am i am advocating for that well beyond that board meeting that we just had and so that's part of being a board member is being an advocate of that organization however you possibly can and so there's always an ask when you're a board member of time money or material outside of the board meetings and um you know there are a lot of times where we're told no and that's perfectly fine that's part of that's sort of part of that cycle Uh, but every once in a while you're going to find that one gem that says yes let's help you and then you're able to take that win and use that as an opportunity to expand whatever operation you've got or that network that you've got the other thing too that i'm going to mention really quickly erin is that when you get involved in your own community you'll find that you are oftentimes one or two degrees removed from knowing that other person that you're trying to connect with and so that right there is the what i find is the true value of the network is you're really not that far removed from one person or two persons away in order to make a connection that you need uh in the community and and that's what i absolutely love about the chamber and the nonprofits and the business leaders in this area and that's what's amazing or what i found amazing about being a part of a community and you know, that if you want to know the leaders, you know, just meet a couple of them. And, and then all of a sudden it seems like, again, like you said, you're, you're only one or two connections away from meeting pretty much anyone you'd like to meet in the community, any of the, any of the change makers. Could you, uh, I'm just curious if you had any specific, like really poignant examples of, you know, you're talking about being on a board and, 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 and human service, public service volunteer work like what is there is there a specific or a singular instance that you found um was the most meaningful in your in your time maybe in hickory um let's limit it there um and catawba county that you want to share yeah um there's there's many 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 examples um that i would love to share but because i'm being asked to share one out uh one stands out it was my first time participating on the Catawba County United Ways Community Giving or Community Impact uh, Committee. 
This is basically the committee that discusses distributing the United Way funds to the different agencies, and then the agencies present on their specific topics, so finance, health, uh, or education. And then we as a committee, once those presentations are over, we discuss how much of their request do we give them. Now, I knew United Way and I knew basically what Catawba County was offering, you know, through sort of the different volunteer channels I was participating in and the chamber work that I was participating in. But I didn't realize the impact we were collectively having as a group or as an organization or as, you know, a a people coming together to uh, to address a problem in our own community. And there wasn't any one specific presentation uh, during that particular uh, campaign season, but it was the presentations from Salvation Army, from Council of Adolescents, from Sipes Orchard, from, and there were so many other agencies, the Patrick Beaver uh, Early Learning Center uh, with you know, children reading early and the success and the statistics showing, you know, what happens when a child begins to learn and comprehend at an early age versus later on in life. I mean, what a deep impact that has when you are actually able to hear those stories, hear what's what that funding would do to help that individual agency. So, um, yeah, like I said, not any one, but it was that community impact presentation that really had a impact on on me moving forward. Right, because you could see, you know, the level of impact uh, that you could do, no matter and no matter where the money went, you know, it was. You know, it was going to go somewhere that made a difference in people's lives. And just having that, you know, that power, if you will, is, you know, it's powerful. It's, 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 uh, you have that efficacy, as they say. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, you know, they'll, over the years, I've gone to several other community impact um, meetings or presentations, and you'll see, uh, you'll see, you'll oftentimes see the same agencies come forward and, and, you know, that's not uncommon through the United way with their respective communities that they support. But it's, it's the agencies that really, that make an attempt to truly have an effort or have an impact on the communities. And that's, that's where it really draws those heartstrings is, you know, Sipes Orchard home with, you know, the, the the kids the you know they basically the the kids through Sipes Orchard or the Council on Adolescents and you know the impact that they have had on young women and young children and young teenagers it's just so powerful and the backpack buddies that they assist with and you know Boys and Girls Club and the you know the like I said the list can go on of examples of of how that the money that the United Way gathers from the community to distribute out is just incredible. Uh, it's just incredible. 
And so if I said to you, I wanted to be more a part of the community as an individual and, you know, I didn't really know where to start, but I knew I wanted to make an impact. And, you know, I wasn't necessarily set on being on a, on a board. You know, maybe I thought that was something that, you know, I, I didn't necessarily want to do or to have the time commitment for. Maybe I thought, you know, it was too elite for me. Um, I just wanted to be a grassroots volunteer who was, but I wanted to clearly see the difference I was making and changing the community for the better, my, my community. Like what, what would you say to that person or a person? Get involved with the Foothill Kids Digest. Uh, when you talk about grassroots, and I'm going to plug Foothill Kids for a moment here. Because when you talk about grassroots, I don't care if you talk about grassroots movement, political movement, campaign movement, I don't, whatever grassroots effort you've got, Foothill Kids Digest defines and is the epitome of what a grassroots effort is. Um, and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to call you out with your work that you did with, uh, Dr. Ralph, um, forgive me for forgetting his last name, but Dr. Ralph, um, and then the LR students, you know, little Ryan university is a local college or university in town. And so using students going through school, using the resources through that channel, building out a plan gathering everything that you need to create a nonprofit to get it to what it is now to provide what Foothills Kids provides is truly a remarkable accomplishment. And when I talk to people, particularly, as a matter of fact, I was just having a conversation um, not too long ago, uh, very recently with a student about this very same topic that we're talking about now of, you know, how do I get involved? I said, find something that you're passionate about. What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about helping the elderly or feeding the hungry or, you know, giving children that don't have access to clothes, you know, find what it is that you're passionate about and then go out there and advocate for that. And then you will find that somewhere or another earth has this way of that organization being brought to you, not necessarily the other way around. And so, um, yeah, you don't have to necessarily get on a board. Uh, and to your point, you know, some boards do sound very elitist. And that's a major turnoff for people who want to be involved, you know, more so than, than being on a board and meeting monthly. Um, and so it's, it's really just getting involved, finding what it is you're passionate about. Long-winded answer to your question, uh, but I think definitely appropriate uh, for the question. Yeah, and just to give some context for listeners, Foothills Kids is a nonprofit magazine that is focused on the community in Western North Carolina and tailored to students in grades three through four given to public schools for free thanks to some very generous corporate and business sponsors donors and grants my dear friend and fellow community organizer carmen eckard who creates the foothills digest which is an arts and culture themed magazine for adults in western north carolina 
approached me several years ago to start this nonprofit because she had been making a supplemental magazine in addition to the the magazine for adults uh, for arts and culture for students in North Carolina and Western North Carolina and businesses told her we can help you fund it if you make it a 501c3 and so then because we knew each other through local community affairs we connected and discussed it and create created a board of directors founded the organization and then you know asked funders to to give up some of their treasure and we were able to provide for thousands of students for several issues and uh, I've stepped off of it officially, but continue to help. But it, it really was a, a grassroots from the board of local leaders coming together to help start it to the many, many businesses and corporate sponsors who got it off the ground in terms of funding it to create the magazine for students, the content aligned with the state curriculum and covering different areas of the community learning and to print it for thousands of third to fifth graders in in the in the four county region in north carolina um, the unifor so it, it was really something that you know again like like patrick you said patrick if you're if you are connected in some way to anyone you know just ask around ask neighbors ask friends get on Nextdoor, social media site for neighbors, Facebook, just put it out there. You know, hey, I'm looking for for some way to get involved, to help other people. Like you said, mention your interests, your passions. Maybe they're already work related to what you do professionally or those are the skill sets you can offer an organization or a cause. And like you said, be open to something coming to you in a, in a networking capacity uh, through other people or, you know, through some, some social event you've gone to, or you, you've heard something and been recommended to someone and, you know, you might be able to start something totally new that could benefit people in a, in a way that's, you know, not as maybe as formal and defined as serving on a board of directors that's for an organization that's been there for decades and decades. Uh, because grassroots grassroots community organizing is can be very labor intensive since you know a lot of times it's new you know, campaigns or causes or events or something that's that's something that's fresh but that freshness can also inspire you to work all the harder and to to be passionate about it no yeah no i wholeheartedly agree with that as well uh, going back to the foothill kids and thank you for clarifying all that um you know i just threw foothill kids out there um but i want to go back to that really quickly because it speaks to several things several things get accomplished through something like foothill kids in terms of being a grassroots a small grassroots local nonprofit, and that is your you know i gave the example of the patrick beaver early learning center you know, in early childhood reading. So we're supplementing, and I don't want to say we're supplementing, um, we're providing material for children that's very easy to read and understand. And so if by whatever unfortunate reason, a child that 
may not be at a specific reading level, they are able to get the Foothill Kids Digest. And because it is so just plain language, easy to understand, and the illustrations, they can read it, they can know what they're looking at, and they can they can build that own self-confidence. And then they can begin to expand their reading and comprehension knowledge base because of something such as the Foothill Kids Digest. And think about the long-term projections and impacts that that has for that particular child. And I'm a firm believer that if we change one person, it's all worth it. You know, we may we may spend tens of thousands of dollars sending out tens of thousands of material and have one person, one child changed. It was, in my mind, and by all estimations, 100% worth the countless hours put into it, the countless asks put into it, and the effort behind all of it because that one person, that one child's life will be changed because of something like Foothill Kids. Um, And it goes back to what you were saying there at the end is you ask that one person for a connection somewhere and you are definitely going to get that person connected to whoever they need to be connected to. That's just how it works. I mean, that's the law of, I call it, the law of attraction i mean it just it for some reason or another when you do get involved and you show up at events and you participate and we'll we'll use the chambers uh social uh, events that they put on the networking events it just works because you're going to run into somebody at another event that was at that event and you'll say oh i remember that and you'll talk about that and that will become a talking point for the two of you to have a baseline connection And for some whatever reason, you'll go to a different event, a third event, and you may see that person again and you'll be like, oh my gosh. And so that's sort of that law of attraction of just making that ask, making that connection, and then seeing those individuals at different events, no matter what that event is or what it's for. That's what I love about it. That's absolutely what I love about it. Do you find that you're more drawn to grassroots projects than maybe more established volunteer opportunities now that you've you know been you know part of Foothills Kids, which is a, a real grassroots movement uh, for education and the community and about the community and uh, you know just being involved in just different things? Do you lean one way or the other? Do you or do you like kind of having both? I enjoy having both perspectives um, because it it allows me to stay true and honest um, to myself and then also to those respective agencies. Uh, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, I, I, I'm passionate about taking care of the whole person and their well-being. So from early childhood all the way up through silver sneakers and elderly and so um growing up in that environment where you know i was talking with veterans um at an early age and working with them you know i i sort of found myself trying to not 
get too uh, attached to one or the other. And again, to keep myself honest and true to myself and represent each individual or each organization or each uh, company or whatever the case is, uh, respectively and um, fairly. And, and that's why. Uh, but I would say that I do advocate oftentimes um i i i have a few foothill kids magazines in the back and anytime i'm at some type of social event such as this evening or um for you know like a meeting event i'll drop something like the foothill kids and say hey by the way just so you know this is sort of the things that we're doing in the community and it works um you know, I, I think uh, we try to connect people with other people, but um, uh, but yeah, no, long-winded answer to your question. Um, I don't necessarily have a favorite per se, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I try to advocate somewhat uh, fairly across all nonprofits. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said too for, you know, I've noticed, you know, different organizations and different volunteer opportunities can give you as a as a volunteer different experiences that can be fulfilling and you know if you're on a board of directors in one organization you know you're really you're creating policy that is operationalized by staff or if you're on an advisory board you're providing community input on policy that exists so and recommending policy whereas when you're a, a volunteer who, you know, comes once a week to, or maybe several times a week to do Meals on Wheels, you're doing that direct service with someone else that you you can touch and and feel, and, you know, obviously in a in an appropriate way, um, and you know, it's it's just a different sort of, it's a different sort of, I suppose, power dynamic, but also. Again, the closeness, like you talked about degrees again, between you and the person impacted. And you know, if you serve on a committee that that gives grants out, you you know, you're you're directly putting services to, you know, you're you're green lighting them, you're making them, you know, available to other people because of the funding. So, you know, I've I've learned that having both you know, formal volunteer opportunities like boards, you know, where it's sometimes it's a little um, almost esoteric, you know, the benefits because you're, you know, you're approving policy or managing a, a CEO or as a collective group or um, you're not always seeing the return benefits. Whereas if you have that and, you know, you're sort of, you know, person to person volunteer work, like Meals on Wheels or grassroots community organizing where you're going door to door to, you know, run for office or help someone run for office who you believe in, you know, you, you see that, that impact more directly and that can be more fulfilling if you have, you know, a diverse volunteer opportunity, uh, opportunities around you. Well, you bring up such a very, 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 very important point, and I appreciate you bringing it up, and that is the correlation between uh, 
board volunteer work and actually volunteering. Um, in my mind, two completely separate, um, two completely separate things, right? So, to your point, you know, the board is doing the formality part of things. Um, so that's your volunteer service to the organization at some formal capacity. But there's also the uh, it's uh, more of an informal process. And I'll use the YMCA, for example. Um, they just recently had their turkey trot, a 5K fundraising event. Uh, largest in their entire history here for our community. So congratulations to them. But I volunteered there uh, with registration, you know, putting the bags together, their race bags together uh, the night before, and then volunteered the day of the race itself. And just introducing yourself as a volunteer with the YMCA, I think has a different tone to it than if you were to maybe say, oh, I'm a board member and, you know, I'm here helping out. Um, I don't, I don't typically like to lead with, I'm a board member or I'm board of director or, you know, that's just not my style. Um, I prefer to say, Hey, you know, I'm volunteering with Foothill Kids Digest. You know, this is what Foothill Kids provides for our community children. Um, love the organization, love their mission. Uh, would you be willing to donate? Um, I think it's a little more powerful of an ask than saying, Hey, I'm a board member on Foothill Kids. Will you donate? Um, I think to your point and your example of Meals on Wheels, if you have that direct connection to the the person or the individual, I think I feel like it's a lot more powerful of an ask or more powerful of a statement made in front of a group or a person or for that particular ask. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't, um, <laughs> I don't necessarily go out there saying I'm board member here, board member there. Uh, I just, um, I prefer, yeah, I'm a volunteer because that's what we're essentially doing. Right. And and what is a volunteer by definition? Someone giving of their time, talent, or treasure in a capacity where they want to do it and they have that desire, that passion to do it ideally, or at least ideally in my in my dictionary. So I, I yeah, agree. No, yeah, no. I'm right there with you, my friend. The last thing I'd like to discuss with you is the dichotomy that we've discussed on this podcast before between your professional life and your work and your volunteer opportunities and experiences that you engage in and you know things that you know ideally you enjoy and how you know they're connected and a lot of times people volunteer in ways that again they can be useful to an organization in a volunteer capacity so it kind of overlaps with work you know if you're an accountant maybe you'll donate some of your time to doing nonprofit balancing nonprofit financial records um, you know pro bono or for free for a nonprofit organization so I know that you do uh, like you said you do you work as a supply chain director for a community hospital so I would imagine you know you're doing a lot of the same you know being involved in a team of people to do something 
you know, for a net good, of course, for a hospital mm. or a health system, a community-based one. And, you know, you're doing lots of community work, you know, outside of eight to five with different nonprofit and human service organizations. And so I know you've talked about before how, you know, your employer encourages their employees to be a part of the community and they see it as an extension of them, you know, benefiting the community in another way. But, um, you know, again, my, my question is, you know, how, as you've become more involved in your volunteer work um, over time, you know, and, you know, busy with, with work work as well, I mean, do you separate it? I mean, or is it all kind of just one thing, you know, your way of giving back to the world in a, in a, um, and I suppose a almost, you know, faithful or, or, or religious kind of way? Yeah, no. Um, I don't necessarily separate the two, uh, you know, from my work to the volunteer. And to your point, because I'm volunteering with these organizations as an extension of my employer. And I think a lot of people feel like volunteering and board work takes up a lot of time, but the reality is it doesn't. Um, so when you look at a month, right? Months worth of, of work and time, volunteering on boards maybe takes up three to six hours total during the work week for that particular for that month in comparison to what you normally work total hours so 160 hours average per month so you're talking less than one percent of that uh of that time so it's not a lot so separating them i don't necessarily would achieve anything um good other than just saying i'm separating work and work and nonprofit, um nonprofit work outside of work but i want to bring something up that you were mentioning earlier about you know work and nonprofit and in our earlier conversation that we had, I had made a comment that the individual shouldn't be different between, say, work and home, or even work and at the nonprofit, or even all three for that matter. The person should be that person in all three environments. Because you're not necessarily going to treat each person within those three respective groups differently than one another so why should you be a different person within each one of those groups if you're going to represent your organization in a nonprofit, you need to represent as if you were there whoever you are at work there at the at the board meeting or the volunteer service project or whatever the situation is and the same at home earlier we talked about me trying to work with my kids and getting them community service and i'm i'm proud to say that they do actively participate in community events um and i'm very very proud of that 
and I've um, I've I've let them know how how important it is of the work that they do, even if it is one or two hours a month, that it does make a difference. And so you don't be a different person at home than you are, say, at work. It need you need to be the same person in all of those environments. What changes though is the 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 message that you bring out of those meetings or during and in those meetings. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're out there trying to raise money and ask for money, that just needs to be a little bit tailored to that organization and that ask whoever you're asking. That's really all that needs to change. Um, and so if that person that you're asking is very formal, then you're very formal in the ask. If that person is super chill and laid back, then you match that person's energy, basically. Um, but other than that, I don't know that it's a different person in each area. Um, I don't think it should be. And that's, I think that's a great way to say it, that, you know, we've discussed, you know, in, again, in the earlier part of this podcast, several segments, changing careers, you know, especially after COVID, you know, we're all, we've all had time to think about, are we doing in our lives what we really want to do, what we really think that, you know, if that's something that applies to you, feel called to do. And I think a lot of people realized I'm doing things, including volunteer experiences, just because I was always doing them. Or, you know, it was just something that kind of came onto my plate because someone else asked. But, you know, if you're not true to who you are in terms of, you know, is this really something that brings me joy? Is this really something I can be passionate about? And, you know, don't, like you said, be the same person you are at work, transparent with your, you know, hopefully if you don't like something about your job, you're transparent with your supervisor, your boss about it. You know, if you're doing something in a volunteer capacity that, you know, you're not bringing, you're not, you're not seeing the passion or the the joy that you you'd like to in a for something that you're not even being paid for change you know and that's what this podcast is really focused on is you know even the smallest changes are are, are really big changes because we as human beings we stick to what we know because it's comfortable it's convenient and you know in reality if we changed if we we're able to, if we're able to, you know, get over that mental, you know, whatever it is, mental hump or block or, uh, you know, whatever, whatever's holding you back, you know, do, you know, what's holding you, what is holding you back, do what you want to do, you know, be the person you want to be and, and be the same person, bring the same, like you said, same energy, same passion that, you know, if you're really enjoying your job, you know, and you really, you really love it, you really, you love what you do, you know, find volunteer opportunities where you can bring that same love if you had an ideal job, um, if, you, if you do, hopefully, um, to that, to that volunteer opportunity, to that experience. And, you know, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that, you know, if I don't like something, you know, if it's not fitting, just say it and, you know, move on and, find something that you could be doing that you that you really love and that is that it's really you 
No, yeah, and that goes back to uh, the middle part of our of our podcast was, you know, you were asking about how to sort of get involved and, you know, where you start. We talked a little bit about the grassroots effort with Foothill Kids and sort of finding that passion. And every individual has a passion about something in the community. I find it so hard to believe, and I'm sure there are people out there that do exist that want nothing to do in the community other than go to work and come home. And that's perfectly fine. What we're talking about though today is that change. How do we how do we find what that passion is within ourselves and go out into the community and be part of that change, whether it is career or nonprofit or whatever. And it is going out there and just putting yourself into those environments to see if that is something that you are passionate about or if that's something that you enjoy doing or participating in. We'll, we'll use the chamber events again as an example, the networking events. You know, some people, many introverts, that's like their kryptonite, right? Is going to a Friday morning brew or a networking uh, social gathering that the chamber puts on. So for an introvert, that's really not their cup of tea per se. Um, but many of them go out there and they do that and they find out, well, wait a second, you know, I, I actually really do enjoy this type of networking. Um, because again, they're, they're putting something on for the person, for the people not necessarily for a company or for companies, they're putting it on for the people. And so, yeah, go out there and find what it is that you're passionate about. I know there are people out there that know what they're passionate about. They just don't know how to act on it. They don't know how to go out into the community and start asking people, hey, I'm really passionate about early childhood reading. Um, they don't even know where to begin. And like, how do you even internet search that? To find out if those programs exist in your own community. So a lot of work to still be done, um, but I'm I, I I'm nothing but optimistic. <laughs> and I am an opt more optimistic person, knowing you and knowing the level of genuine love and care you bring to everything in life and everything you touch, and that's something that's been manifestly clear since I met you actually through the chamber. Um, so again, yes. great connections uh, happen if you, if, you find the, if you find the resource centers, the hubs of, of, our, of, community, of our community. Yeah, no. So thank you so much, Patrick. I, I appreciate you sharing how being involved in the community, you know, you think that you're changing other people's lives. And sometimes I think actually oftentimes it becomes clear that it's really you who's being changed. The person who's, who is trying to drive change is being changed. You're becoming a more selfless giving and a better person. And uh, I think that's sort of an incredible dynamic to, you know, comprehend a, a sort of a, an inverse relationship. The more you go out there and help people, the more you're being helped on the inside. Uh, and so I, I appreciate the, the shared stories and experiences, and I look forward to continuing to build community with you. 
Thank you very much, Aaron. I do appreciate the kind remarks and the uh, statements. Um, it is, yeah, it is important. Community work is important, and you're right. It's, you know, I'm finding out a lot more about myself than I thought I knew. Um, you know, at, at 41 years old, and so um, I, I just get, I continue, I continuously um, focus on, on really the positive and and the good uh that exists out there um um i don't i very 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 seldomly manifest on any negativity that that exists out there because it's uh, to an earlier point you know if we can change one life which i know we're doing then it's it's all worth it because that person may change someone else's life and it's that gradual change over time and so i appreciate this opportunity i'm i'm very excited about it and i more than appreciate you giving me the opportunity to uh to be on the platform to talk about it absolutely well you are one of my role models and i encourage anyone who would like to learn more about what you do to follow you on linkedin if that's okay yes yes you know i'm active on linkedin very <laughs> so i get an inspirational post about every day now thank you very much <laughs> well uh thanks everyone for listening to change cafe this is a grassroots community dedicated to having meaningful conversations about change and community. You can find us on facebook.com slash changecafedc or on Spotify as a free podcast. That's facebook.com slash changecafedc or on Spotify. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.